Welcome back to the podcast, Unbinding the Bible. This is bonus episode number two, Bearing the Curse of the World. And this episode is a sermon that I preached last Good Friday from John chapter 19, focusing in just a little bit upon the crown of thorns that the Roman soldiers placed upon Jesus' head. And I'm inserting it here because today is Good Friday, and I wanted to release a short bonus for those of you who are celebrating Holy Week and want to be able to think about themes and things that are happening with Jesus that we recognize from all through the scriptures. And so I inserted this sermon here, of course, because it's Good Friday, but also because I want you to be able to look at the way you can trace themes in scripture from the beginning all the way through to the end and what you can learn about those themes simply by picking them up as you go and as you read. And so I hope that this will be encouraging to you, especially as you celebrate the death of Christ and what that means for your life and for the world, and also as we think about the curse and what it is that Jesus actually did when he took our sins upon himself onto the cross. And so I hope that this is enjoyable to you. It is a shorter episode, so um, it won't get in the way of any of your other activities for the day, but I think that you'll really enjoy it. When you read the Passion narrative, it's very fascinating the many times that it says such and such happened so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. And John does not have the time or the breath to record every way in which the scriptures were fulfilled, but I want to focus in on just one today. And it is what we see at the first few verses of John chapter 19, where Jesus is placed on his head by the Roman soldiers a crown of thorns. And if you know your Bibles well, and you think through the storyline of Scripture, when God first had Adam and Eve rebel against him in the garden, God told Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Adam and Eve were commissioned by God to rule over the earth, and the earth in God's perfect world would respond to Adam and Eve. Flowers would grow, trees would blossom, and so on. But because of Adam and Eve's sin, thorns now grow in its place. Weeds, thistles, things that hurt, but things that get in the way of the beauty of God's perfect world. But because this came about because of mankind, mankind himself, later on in the scriptures, are actually referred to as thorns and thistles because we're complicit in this process. And so in Joshua 23, when God is commissioning his people to go back into the promised land and to destroy these enemies, he tells them to defeat their gods and wipe these people out. But they don't do it. And he tells them that the nations whose gods you worship shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. All of the people of Israel promise God that they're going to drive out the nations and they don't. And two chapters into the book of Judges, which is the very next book in the Bible, we read this. So now I say, God says, I will not drive them out before you but they shall become thorns in your sides and their gods shall be a snare to you. If you do not want to listen to me, the life that you have chosen for yourself is going to reflect the curse. 
shown itself most clearly in thorns and in thistles. In 2 Samuel 23, the story continues and we read this, that worthless men are all like thorns that are thrown away for they cannot be taken with the hand. That is, without getting cut. And then in Proverbs chapter 22, which has a great display of pithy little short sayings, says this, Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Thorns and thistles. The Israelites do not drive out the nations who are in their promised land. They begin to bow down and they begin to worship their gods. They become like the gods they worship. They get caught in the very thorns they were meant to drive out of the land and they become the death that the thorns represent from the curse. And you find one of the saddest portions of the Bible and that is in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 where God has to direct Ezekiel while his people have been banished from the land in the same way that Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. He's standing over the valley and God asks him to see what he sees and Ezekiel says, I see nothing but a valley of dry bones. The people themselves had gone so far away from the commands of God that they had virtually become dead. The nation of Israel, God's own people, were nothing more than, an, than a, a picture of a valley of dry bones. And I don't find it odd, I find it very significant that the place Jesus is taken once the crown of thorns are placed onto his head is where? To a place of a skull. Why? Because Jesus is reliving the curse for his people. He's being taken to a place where a curse has been placed onto his head. And you need to understand when we read a section like John 19, it doesn't matter that the Roman soldiers do not know the Bible at all. It doesn't matter that they're not placing a crown of thorns on Jesus' head because they want to symbolically represent that Jesus is taking on a curse. It doesn't matter. God is doing it for Jesus. Or as Anne read us from, from Isaiah chapter 53, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. A purple robe is placed on Jesus, which is oftentimes associated with royalty. And yet it too was placed on him as a form of mockery. And yet you have to almost laugh if it weren't so tragic that Pilate himself, who also knows nothing about the Old Testament scriptures, knows nothing about the king of Israel who truly has come to suffer and bear the burden of the people's sins upon himself, posts a sign, not written in one language, but in three, so that every human being present or who will hear about this in the future will know in his or her own language, the king of the Jews. 
course, the Jews themselves get infuriated, right? And they tell him, well, no, this man said I'm the king of the Jews. And what does Pilate say? What I've written, I've written. I don't care about you guys. I don't care what you'd rather it say. I put the king of the Jews, and that's what I'm going to place there. And this is, in fact, what is happening. Paul picks up this theme in the book of Galatians. And I hope you catch it. If you've never heard this verse, this is one you want to underline in your Bibles. Paul tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. For it is written, is a flashback to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 21, and here is what God says. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. Did the Roman soldiers curse Jesus by placing a crown of thorns on his head? Yes, they did. Did Pilate mock Jesus by putting a sign up in three languages that said the king of the Jews? Yes, he did. Did God crush Jesus for our sins? Yes, he did. And what Paul is telling us is that a hanged man is cursed by God, quoting from Deuteronomy. Now, it's interesting, we didn't read it this morning, but you may know the rest of the story that there's another person who is very active in Jesus' death. His name is Judas, who once he feels the guilt and the weight of what he has actually done, does in fact go out and hang himself on a tree. Was Judas cursed by God as a result of those actions? Yes. Was Jesus cursed by God as a result of what is happening to him? Yes. The difference Jesus is taking upon himself, not his own sins, but the sins of the world. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. One of the clearest pictures I think we get of this is shortly after Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, Peter comes to him and says, my mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus goes and he rebukes the fever and it leaves her and she stands up and begins to wait on them. And then we read this. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. How is it then that Jesus can cure lepers, make them clean, give sight to the blind, rebuke fevers, cast out demons, or make the lame to walk? He exchanges their brokenness for his wholeness. The clean one reaches out and touches the unclean one, and now the unclean one becomes clean because Jesus takes that uncleanness onto himself. He takes the effects of the fall onto himself. He takes the curse that is our fault and that is our responsibility and he allows Roman soldiers to mockingly and harshly place that curse onto his head so that he can bear the sins of the world. And when he does, 
He removes the effects of that curse from us. And so Peter, in encouraging Christians to absorb the difficulty that their lives now look like as a result of following Jesus, reminds them of the sacrifice that Christ made for them so as to encourage us to live holy and upright lives in his, on his behalf. And here's what Peter says in chapter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Good Friday is the day when the wounds that you and I carry are being healed because the Son of God himself came to do what no amount of effort, what no law given to God's people could ensure would happen. Jesus laid down his own life, taking the curse upon himself, bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders and dying under its weight. That is what this day is about. It is about a Savior freeing you and freeing me from the effects of the curse so that we no longer have to live under its bondage but can enter back into a garden-like relationship with God where the creation responds to us the way it should, we respond to one another the way we should, and we have intimacy and fellowship with our God once again. Father, we praise you once again for what Jesus has done to remove the curse from your good creation. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that no plans of the non-believing world can do anything but fall right into place into your perfect plan for Jesus and for your people. Thank you for his sacrifice. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.